Open your Bibles as you're doing that to Matthew 28, please. Or your iPad or your phone or whatever it is that you use. And those of you who don't have anything, it'll be on the screen behind me. Christy does that, and she's actually quicker than I am. I want to talk this morning on baptism. You might think, well, but why? Most of us have been baptized. Last week we were looking at Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And that commission is for every believer. It's not for leaders. It's not for churches. It's for everyone. And so you have a responsibility to preach the gospel and to baptize people. You know what? When someone actually responds to the gospel, it doesn't then take a clergy person to baptize them. That's not what the Bible says. So I want to speak about baptism, but I also want to equip you that you understand baptism so that you can share with people and then baptize them. You know, there's a difference between baptism and taking a bath. <laughs> You're going to learn what that is this morning. I was raised in an evangelical church. And because of the teaching of much of the Catholic church, which basically said that baptism saves you, the church I was raised in had swung the pendulum to the other extreme and basically said, heart belief is what's important. Actual baptism is... It's okay, but it's relatively irrelevant. As I grew up, I realized I had to actually look at the Bible. How many of you know that that's probably a good idea? <laughs> that we get our theology from the Bible, not from elsewhere. So, as I said, I want to teach and equip. Interesting when Jesus says this. Go make disciples baptizing. Why does he include baptism? Because it's not irrelevant. It's actually part of what he's doing. I want to read you a number of scriptures and then give you a little bit of teaching and then ask you some questions. I learned when I was in college that you tell them what you're going to tell them and then you tell them and then you tell them what you told them. So I just told you what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> that was my introduction. Matthew chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says this. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Acts chapter 8. Now, if we create our whole theology from that one verse, we're going to miss out. But we can't ignore it. Acts chapter 8. One of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture. But... Because I'm going to read a whole bunch of scriptures, I'm just going to jump to the main part. Uh, from verse 35, Philip has gone down. He's met the Ethiopian eunuch. He's teaching him. And it says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at that, this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Just an aside real quick. I'm hoping not to get too aside. The scripture he talks about is from Isaiah 53. And from that scripture, he goes along, and in Isaiah 56, it talks about eunuchs, who this guy was. 
being added. So he started with Jesus, and then he said, if you go through three chapters, Isaiah says that eunuchs can be added. And this guy, actually, he had gone to Jerusalem and wasn't allowed into the temple because it was a eunuch. And the Holy Spirit sent Philip from a revival that was taking place down to some desert place to meet this one guy. And there, starts with the scripture and shares the, the message of the gospel with him. And his response is, now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the answer said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized them. He baptized him. Acts 18. Verse 8, and Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. A couple more. Colossians 2.12. says, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 3. I know I'm reading a lot, but just hang with me. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 says, there is also an antitype talking about Noah going through the flood, which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then back to Romans, which was where we were heading all along. I just took the scenic route. <laughs> Romans chapter 6. From verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so, also, so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. He who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death which he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life which he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. A whole lot of scriptures. I want to give you just a bit understanding of what baptism is and then ask you a few questions. 
The term baptize in the Greek, the term that we read is actually a transliteration of the Greek. It's not a translation, it's a transliteration. That means that we've taken the Greek word and we made an English word out of it. The Greek word is baptizo, and it literally means to submerge. That's what that word means. It was used in the dyeing of cloth. They would submerge it until it was all saturated. Lance was telling me that he used to work at a, uh, a place, and they, they would chrome metal parts, but first they had to get all the rust off, so they would put it in what they called the baptism tank. And it would go into the tank, and when it came out, all the rust and filth had been removed. That's what that word means. Baptism means three things. And this is what we need to get. It means first identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I believe. I am part of this. Identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection. And that's why baptism is by submersion. It represents being buried. Going under the water is being buried. Dying and being buried. When we die, we're dead to sin. And so that's what it means. Dying and being raised to new life. But it also means just that. Dying to sin. Rebellion to the old man. Sin is broken off of us because of what Jesus has done, but when we die, we're free from sin. And so we're actually saying, I'm following Jesus, I receive what he's done, and I'm dying to my old man, to my old way, to, to how I live, to the rebellion that characterized my life. I'm dying to that. And I'm rising to walk in new life. What's that new life? Jesus is Lord. I walk in his purposes. I walk in relationship with him. But there's another part. And that is also a dying to the world and the spiritual beings behind the world's values. 1 Peter 2.9 says, we were called out of darkness. Now, yeah, understand, I'm going to give you a real quick thought of this because I'll get more into this at some point in the future. But there's this concept in the Bible that where God is, is light and holiness. Okay? God's presence. When Moses saw the burning bush and God spoke to him, the first thing he said was, take off your shoes because where you're standing is holy ground. Now, the ground wasn't holy. It was holy because God was there. The God in the tabernacle... The place of his dwelling is what made the nation of Israel holy. Holy being different, distinct, set apart. They were different than the rest of the world because they were in the presence of God, the place where God dwelt. Do you, are you with me? All the rest of the world is called darkness. All the nations of the world controlled by demonic principalities is called darkness. The presence of God is the place of holiness. Holiness is a location term more than it is a quality term. It's not talking about how good we are. It's about where we are. We're in his presence. 
That's what, when he says, be holy as I'm holy, he's talking about be separate from darkness and, and be in my presence. And so baptism is a dying to the spirits of the world. It's coming out of darkness. It's saying, I'm not part of that any longer. I was talking with Lance the other day, and he was telling me, he used a term that I thought was great. Sometimes we make a covenant with the spirits of the world, with the devil. We agree. And a covenant is an operation until the death of the person who's made it. So we have sometimes entered into this covenant with the spirits of the world, and baptism is dying and cutting off that covenant, cutting off our old life, identifying with Jesus. And when it it says that we rise to walk in newness of life, that's what it's talking about. That we're no longer part of darkness. We're no longer in agreement with the devil. We're no longer living for ourselves and our own selfish sin. We're now living for the king of kings. It's not irrelevant. You still with me? Three questions. Does baptism save us? Bible talks about believe and be baptized. Means heart belief and a dying to rebellion self, a separating from the world. So, baptism without believing is just a bath. But believing without dying to self and turning away from the world isn't enough. James 2.19 says the demons believe and tremble. So does baptism save us? No. Is baptism part of the process? It seems from the Bible it is. You're going to get asked these questions. That's why I'm giving you the answer up front. Question number two. What about baptizing infants? Now let me tell you a little bit about the history of where that came in in the church. There was this guy named Augustine about 400 AD. And Augustine taught that children were born sinful. Now if you, look, if you read his confessions, he tells you where he came up with that idea. Augustine lived for about 15 years with a woman who wasn't his wife and believed that the very act of intercourse was sin. And therefore children were, were conceived in a sinful act. That's what he believed. I mean, I'm not telling you that's what he says in his confessions. And he then went on from there to teach, as he became a leader in the church, that if children died, they'd go to hell. That's pretty scary. But if they were baptized by the church by a priest, 
they were safe. Sounds pretty, uh, the only ones who can do this is, is the official people. And so if you don't want your kids to die and go to hell, if they should die, then you better bring them to the church and get baptized. The problem is, you can't actually submerge infants. Right? You don't want kids drowning. <laughs> so they changed it to sprinkling. So we've changed the very concept of a cutting off from the world, from sin, because of a heart belief in Jesus by submersion, which represents his death and burial, to something that the church administers that's a little bit of sprinkling so that you will feel safe and committed to the church because they're the only ones who can save you. Okay, I know I'm stepping on toes now. So as I said before, baptism without heart belief is just a bath. Is the baptizing of infants baptism not according to the scripture? Okay. There is something in the scripture about dedicating children. There's something about parents setting themselves apart for the raising of kids. But we can't save someone else by baptism. We can't take away the heart belief part. Matthew 15, 6 says, by your tradition, you nullify the word of God. So we've developed a tradition that isn't in the Bible. And what happens is that we rob people of the truth and the experience that when they believe in Jesus and are baptized, they're dying by going under the water. They're dying to sin. They're dying to the world. We rob that from them and say, no, that, that already took place when it didn't. So my third question for you this morning is the question the Ethiopian eunuch said, what hinders you from being baptized? What hinders me from being baptized? If you believed in Jesus, baptism was the accepted next step in the New Testament. They believed and were baptized. It wasn't an optional extra. It wasn't something you could do at some, some point, you know, maybe. It was actually a cutting off of the world. Why that's so important is that every, every other religion in the world, just about every other religion, whether it's Islam or Hinduism, you can receive Jesus, you can believe in Jesus, and your family doesn't disown you. But when you're baptized, that's when they'll kick you out of the family or kill you. We actually have a uh, friend that, that uh, we know and her mother we met in Houston whose son literally cut her throat. She's got a scar. where he, She didn't die. But she was a, uh, raised in a Muslim household, got saved, got baptized, and he cut her throat. Because baptism says, I turn my back on everything else but Jesus. 
Hindus have 330 million gods. You can add Jesus to that. No problem. You say, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. They say, yeah, that's great. But you get baptized, and you're turning your back on everything else. And the demons behind darkness don't like that. So fear comes in. Your family will reject you. A friend of ours, she was from Turkey, a uh, Muslim family, went to England to study and just was absolutely lost away from her family. And she went into a church because she was just looking for fellowship and eventually she got saved. And her family cut her off. She's living in another country. And they just cut her off financially. Uh, said that you're not part of our family. Uh, by herself, she eventually, it's a long story. She, uh, she couldn't do anything. She applied for asylum. And the government took her passport while this went on. And it went on for months. And she felt God told her to go back to Turkey where the, she, there was a Bible college. And so she did without a passport. How do you do that? They let her on the plane. And when she got off the plane in Turkey and went through customs, she had no documentation. And it was the plane got there early, early in the morning. It was like 4.30 in the morning. And the customs official that was reviewing her case, they took her into another room reviewing her case, was afraid to wake up his boss. So not knowing what to do, he eventually just said, just go. Jesus is enough. So what hinders me from being baptized? Is it tradition? Is it fear? Is it a lack of understanding? Do you not know? Is what Romans says. Now you know. And God wants to break off fear and tradition. If you haven't been baptized, let me encourage you. There's something of freedom that comes in breaking off those other things. Practically, we're going to do baptisms the next Sunday after the, the morning meeting. Uh, we're going to do it at Stephen Barb's house. We're not going to go down to the river. We're actually going to do it in a hot tub, <laughs> which is, which is uh, somewhat warm. <laughs> it is warm, right? <laughs> If you'd rather go to the lake by our house, we could do that. If we have access to a lake, we'll take you in. Tim will. <laughs> now, James has already talked to me about being baptized. I'm picking him up because I want you to know that he's getting baptized next week. I also want you to know that in the light of scriptures, it doesn't take me as a pastor to baptize him. His granddad's going to baptize him. That's awesome. Okay? And so while his family's there, and hopefully he's inviting them, the rest of us are there to celebrate as well. So we're going to do it next Sunday at Stephen Barb's, and we're going to have a barbecue afterwards. And so bring some, something to, uh, to barbecue, some meat, and bring your own meat. All the, the women who planned these things is just saying... They're giving me hits. Bring your own meat. 
Bring your own meat. And salad or? No, just bring your own meat. Meat and drinks. Okay? So next Sunday, if you would like to be baptized, we'd love for you to join in. I want to give you a week's notice because I think it's important that you invite family and friends. I think it's an opportunity to preach the gospel. When Jesus said, make disciples, he was talking in the context of preach the gospel of the kingdom and then baptize and then disciple. And so it, James can invite his family and friends and he can share the gospel, what he's doing. It doesn't take me preaching, it takes him. Okay. <laughs> He's gone. I didn't know that. <laughs> Will you ba- bow your head? Oh, bring your own towel. And, and swim trunks are, what, what do you call your swimsuit here? Bathers, your bathers. Okay. Something. We do not baptize people naked. So bring something to wear. <laughs> It's not a bath. <laughs> okay, now. <laughs> Bring it back, yes. Bow your head. Don't look at me because I'm embarrassed now. Sometimes we struggle with getting free from sin because we haven't been obedient to Jesus. Sometimes we have strongholds of the enemy because we haven't been obedient. I haven't been obedient. And the agreement that we've done with the, with the devil, whether intentionally or unintentionally, still has a hold on us. A key part, and that's why I think Jesus said, preach the gospel, make disciples and baptize. It wasn't an optional extra. If you haven't been baptized and you would like to be, if you're seeing truth and you believe it applies to you, I'm going to ask you just to let me know afterwards. Okay? just so that we can plan accordingly. If there's someone who led you to the Lord and you would like them to baptize you, that's great. Otherwise, it can be one of the guys here. Okay, it doesn't have to be a pastor, but I'm also a believer, and so I can. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't rule out pastors. Or leaders. Lord, we just stand humbled at your love that you reached for us, that you made a way, that you gave your life and took our sin so that we can be free, that you're great enough to break off the power of sin, not just the consequence of sin, but the power of sin, 
and the hold of the devil that as we walk in obedience to you, as we believe and are baptized, there is a freedom that comes and we just stand amazed. Lord, it's not us earning your favor. It's us walking according to your pattern, what you put in place. Lord, we want to be a people who have no connection with darkness, but a people who are holy because of your presence. Lord, we recognize that even this morning, this place is holy ground. Nothing special about this building, but what makes it holy is your presence. And so we just thank you for your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.